0: How many of you remember my face? Somebody lied at the beginning and said, you look just like you did. I said, that's a lie. That's <laughs> I've got about 40 extra pounds that I didn't have before last time I was here. And uh, anyways, it's good to be back again. Uh, after a number of years, I appreciate your preacher. He's a good man. And I thank, uh, thank the Lord for him. I pray for, still pray for you all. Pray for the church every week and uh we uh just counted an honor to be able to be with you tonight enjoyed a good meal with uh, uh amy and john and uh amy and and us go a long way back and uh thank the lord for what the work that he's done in her life and uh just amazing uh, uh testimony and uh to god and his grace and uh in each and every one of our lives we're all just a trophy of his grace and uh thank the lord for for what he does in our life um I want to uh, introduce my wife Terry. why don't you stand up if you don't know who my wife is and uh, thank the Lord for her and uh, we do have a book table set up out back with a a lot of different uh, Bibles back there and uh, then we have uh, uh, some things from our mercy and truth printing ministry I'm out of Lawrence Kansas now. And uh, there's uh, some teaching materials, especially if you teach young people or if you have young people, it'll be good material for you. And uh, so uh, you could come by and take a look if you want to afterwards. Well, I want to jump right into the simple little thought here that the uh, Lord uh, laid on my heart to preach. tonight. I try to be as sensitive as I can to the Lord, and, uh, and I believe this is what He'd have me to speak about. Grab your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 9, and we're going to jump through a few different passages until we get to the passage we're going to be on this evening. And uh, I am a very much a, uh, much of the time I'm a topical kind of preacher, but tonight's message will be more expository, just breaking a passage down you'll understand more in a moment. But we're going to look at uh, the life of maybe the, the, the greatest Christian or servant of the Lord in the, the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. And uh, boy, what a man of God he was. And uh, what a Christian. What a, we look back at his life and we say, man, what a conversion. I mean, he was on the way. He was on the road to Damascus to kill Christians, to, uh, to hinder the church, the working of the church. And God spoke to him from heaven. And, uh, and got a hold of him, and uh, boy, he turned to, to, turned to the Lord, he was saved that day, uh, but what a calling too, I mean, the, the day, that the moment that he got saved, he got called by God too to go and to do a work for him, but then also, may I say, what a man of suffering, oh, the suffering that he had to endure. When we think of suffering, we first of all have to think of our Lord Jesus Christ, and nobody ever endured the suffering that he suffered through. In, in a human form, and then we have to think of, if we think of Job, I mean the book of Job tells us about all the suffering that Job went through, and, and then uh, I, I as a preacher I think about Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, and oh how much he had to endure, and being cast into a dungeon, and, and preaching to the people, nobody repenting, nobody getting saved, nobody turning to uh, the Lord, and then uh, we think of the Apostles. And uh, boy, they all, uh, most all of them had to endure martyrdom and, and uh, suffering in their life because of standing for the Lord. And then we think of the one apostle, as the scriptures say, born out of due time, the apostle Paul. Boy, how true the fulfillment. I had you turn to Acts chapter 9 for just to look at one verse. Uh, after he'd gotten uh, born again, uh, the, the uh, Lord spoke to Ananias and told him, I want you to go to him and I want you to, uh, uh, to, to bring him to you. And he was afraid. And this is what the Lord said to Ananias in verse 16. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Boy, I tell you what, that was truly fulfilled in the life of the Apostle Paul. He suffered great things for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 for a moment, and we see just some of the things. He was, uh, uh, of course, pinning these words, uh, the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul to that carnal church in Corinth and in trying to get them to get their eyes off of the flesh and get their eyes off themselves and realize that you know what at life is not a it's not a cakewalk amen it's never going to be a cakewalk no matter uh, whether you live it uh, wickedly or whether you live it righteously it's not going to be easy and he was trying to tell them the things that he had to endure he says in verse number 23 are they ministers of Christ I speak as a fool I am more in labors more abundant "...in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one." Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, and painfulness, in watchings often, in, in hunger, and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches." I mean, he went through this list of things. Man, I've been through all of these different things here in in my life, these sufferings that I've had to endure to go forward for the Lord. He goes on to say, but I'm not glorying in any of that. I'm glorying in the cross. Amen. And that's what we are supposed to glory in. But I, I... Something jumped out at me when I was reading this passage not long ago, and, and, uh, and, and my mind just began to run a little bit about this thought here. Back in verse 23, when he began speaking about all that he endured, he said, uh, about the middle of the verse there, he said, uh, In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in death's off. And I began to think about that statement where he said, in prisons more frequent. You see, the apostle Paul endured uh, imprisonment many times in his life. We know in the Scriptures of at least four different times that specifically we see in the Scriptures, twice at Philippi, once in Jerusalem, once in Rome, and, and I'm sure there were many others. We don't have every detail of everything that occurred and took place, and I'm sure there were many other times that he found himself in prison. While he was in prison, he uh, uh, took the, uh, the time that he was there uh, to do something to, the Lord used him in a great and mighty way. He wrote some epistles from prison. He wrote the, 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 the book of Philippians in prison. And he wrote two of the other general epistles there in prison. He wrote the book of Philemon in prison. He wrote the book of Hebrews, we believe, was written about that same time frame. And, uh, but he endured great suffering in prisons. I want to preach for just a few moments tonight on this simple little thought. What Paul learned in prison that each and every one of us need to learn in our prison you say what what Paul learned in prison that each and every one of us need to learn in our prison You'll see in just a moment. Father, I pray that you'd bless the next few words uh, uh, that that we speak tonight and uh, these next few moments that we have. And God, I just pray that you would have your hand upon the service tonight. Lord, I pray you'd just hide me behind the cross. Lord, I pray that uh, through the power and truth of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd be able to accomplish what you want to tonight. I thank you for the privilege and honor to be here tonight. And Lord, uh, again, just use me as your servant, as a vessel uh, to accomplish your purpose. And may you be exalted this evening evening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me just say in beginning, leading into this, sometimes it is good for us Christians to be in prison. You say, whoa, what do you mean by that, Brother Martin? I mean, uh, good for us to go to prison? Well, no, just stop and think for a moment about this. What is a prison? It, It is a place that holds somebody or keeps somebody bound. You know, I was thinking about that, I thought, you know what, uh, sometimes it's really good for us as Christians to be bound, to be bound by our circumstances, sometimes to be bound by affliction. You say, how can you say those things, Brother Martin? Because uh, there are some things that we will only learn as we endure and go through the prisons that come along in our life. We're only going to find by experience that we can trust God, that He loves us and He cares about us and and He's going to be there for us. I'll just say this too, Paul uh, never blamed or took out his prison on other people. Well, we do that a lot, don't we? (laughs) Man, we look at somebody we can attach it to, you know, uh, and this has happened in my life, it's because of them or because of them or because of them. uh, Oh, wait a minute. Hey, man, look to the Lord. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What am I, why am I going through this? Why, what is the purpose behind this? He never used it to focus on his own cause, but to focus on the cross of Christ. That's what he used it for. Now, I, I want to take just uh, of all these epistles that he wrote and the books that were penned from the, his days in prison. Boy, I, I, if we really stopped and took the time to think about everything the Holy Spirit was trying to teach us, even through the things that Paul wrote. I mean, it's amazing. But I'm just going to take one chapter of one of those books that he wrote, and I just want to go down through it tonight and just look at it for a moment. And it's Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number four, a familiar passage, and I'm sure your preachers preached on this to you, and, uh, and uh, this is nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun, amen? And, uh, but just something to try to charge us and in, encourage us a little bit. And uh, stop, stop to think. I want you to approach each one of these points that I give you tonight. Think about this. Paul's in prison, he's bound, he can't get out of where he's at. He's going through trials and affliction that's in his life. But he's using it, he's allowing the Lord to use him to be able to help the church. To be an encouragement to the church. So we break it down, we'll begin here right here in verse number 1. Paul said this to the church, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel and with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. And then he goes to this statement, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. Now, he begins with some greetings and things like that, and then he says, let me tell you something. Hey, I'm in prison, but let me tell you something. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. What was he saying? Hey, even in prison, you can still rejoice in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Whatever your situation, no matter what's got you bound, whatever uh, the circumstances, whatever affliction it is, you can still rejoice in the Lord. And he's worthy of us rejoicing in him and in his name. Amen. You say, well, how in the world could Paul, how do you have that kind of mindset when you're locked up in prison to tell somebody else that rejoice in the Lord? And, but because he learned by experience. Remember what I said at the beginning? He learned by experience. How do you you say that, Brother Martin? Well, this this right here, this passage of Scripture was written somewhere around uh, A.D. 64, somewhere around that time frame. But about 11 years prior to that, he was in the same place, in a prison. Look back to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Now, you ought to know this passage if you've been... Uh, uh, saved for any amount of time. I'm sure you've heard this preached on. It's the conversion of the Philippian jailer. He's in that same Philippian prison. Now, it may not be the exact same prison, but he's in Philippi and he's in prison. Now I want you to notice, I said he learned from experience. Eleven years earlier, we read this in verse number um, 23 of chapter 16, and when they had laid many stripes upon him, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So they've been beaten. They've been cast into the prison. They've been fastened to the stocks. And it says in verse 25, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. I mean, they're locked up. They're bound. They're beaten. But you know what he did? He sang praises unto God. He rejoiced in the Lord in the prison that he was in. Amen. He learned from that by the way that he could trust God and that God would be moved by our rejoicing in him. Because the very next verse tells us that, man, an earthquake came. Amen. I mean, God heard from heaven and God was moved. Can I say something to you tonight? God is moved when we're in our prison and we're still going to rejoice in him. Man, that moves the heart of God. I mean, God wants to work on our behalf. No matter where we're at, no matter what prison we're in, we can rejoice in the Lord. David said in Psalm 5 and verse 11, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. (laughs) Boy, it's a wonderful thing, Brother Mike, to know that God's our defender no matter what. No matter what's going on, no matter what prison we're in, no matter how we're bound by those circumstances. Circumstances and situations should never dictate whether or not we have joy in our life. It's supposed to be about being in His presence. You remember that verse, Psalm 16 and 11? In His presence is fullness of joy. Preacher, I believe with all my heart. This is one of the reasons why Christians are so depressed today. Why? Because we're not in His presence. Hey, you can be in His presence when you're in prison. Amen. Amen. You can be rejoicing in the Lord when you're in prison. And it's something that we ought to do. It's something that we ought to practice in our life. Amen. There's a lot of different stories we could share in the Scriptures about people that did and what they went through. But there's another, there's a life illustration that uh, 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 my wife was kind of in and around the situation when it happened and took place a a number of years back. Uh, She went to a college, and uh, the college that she went to there, there was a young man that had uh, graduated from that college, and he was... um, he was uh, working with his father-in-law and he, he wanted to serve the Lord. He felt like the Lord wanted him to, uh, uh, to wanted to use his life. He wasn't sure exactly what he was going to do, uh, but he felt the, the Lord had a purpose for him. And, and uh, after a year or two uh, of graduating, he got married and then uh, he was having some problems and he went in, uh, he, he was uh, having a, some problems with his vision. He went in and they did an eye check on him and they saw that he had, uh, um, Uh, something going on in his eye. And they they told him, they said, now uh, we're going to go in and we're going to check this out. Now if we go in and we find something, you're going to come out without an eye or you won't be able to see. If it's nothing, then you'll just come out with a sore eye. Well, he went into the surgery and he came out of the surgery and his wife was there when he came out of the surgery and told him uh, they had to take your eye. Now, here's a young man who's given his life to serve the Lord, wants to serve God, wants to end and a, a prison, if you would. He finds himself sitting in. <laughs> okay, now I've got one eye to see out of. Lord, what are you doing? What's going on in my life? He said, as he was walking down the, uh, the corridor of the hospital with his wife, he said it was amazing. And uh, if you've heard his testimony, he said it was amazing as I walked down that corridor, all these little kids that were looking up at me and said, Look, it's a pirate. It's a pirate. And he said, a pirate? A pirate's a wicked person. What, what, what would I do with, with a pirate? He said, but God began to work on my heart. And then why couldn't there be a good pirate? And so, Patch the Pirate was born. Yeah, as a matter of fact, he, he wrote a song about that whole episode too. And if you, if you know it, you can sing the words along with me tonight. God never moves without purpose or plan. When trying a servant and molding a man, give thanks to the Lord, though your testing seems long. In darkness he giveth a song. Listen to the words. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistake. He knows. The end of each path that I take, for when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. Boy, prison. But wait a minute. God can still use me. I want to give glory to the Lord. Man, preacher, I've wondered so many times. Uh, What kind of telescope I'm going to need at the judgment seat to see uh, the, the, the crowns that he's going to receive and the rewards that are going to take place. Why? Because a man going through trial, going through affliction, going through heartache and sorrow allowed himself to be used to help other people. Let me just ask us this question tonight. When is the last time our prison helped somebody else? When's the last time when we went through a prison other people were affected positively? Hey, even in prison, you can rejoice in the Lord. Amen. Hey, secondly, right in right in line here as we look back at it again in Philippians chapter 4. Hey, verse number 5, it says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Man, what a powerful couple of verses there. You know what he was saying here to these, the, the church there from prison? He was saying, hey, even in prison, peace comes through prayer. What do you mean? Hey, we can have the peace of God in our life. Hey, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, that peace is available to every one of us. How do we get it? Through our communication with Him, through our prayer life and keeping ourselves close to Him. Hey, thank God that you have a, a prayer time where you take prayer requests on Wednesday nights and, and we still think about that on Wednesday night. Man, it used to be called prayer meeting and Prayer is so vital, it's so important in our life. And because, uh, 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 because of the fact that through prayer we can get that peace, of God in our life. Hey, he said here, it's the the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Man, what a powerful, powerful thought. You say, well, how in the world could he have that kind of peace? Well, uh, 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 and why would he say it came, you know, through prayer? Because he learned 11 years before. (laughs) Remember back there in chapter 16 of Acts and verse 25, and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. You see, as he prayed to the Lord, and as he praised the name of the Lord and rejoiced in him, God heard, and God moved, and God worked on his behalf. You know what he found? Hey, there's peace through prayer. Hey, I may be going through some hardships, and I may be beaten, and I may be cast down, but I can still rejoice in the Lord, and I can still have peace in my heart. Amen. Amen. And it's available to every one of us. Hey, not just the peace that passes all understanding. Think about this. Uh, It tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Man, our God's the author of peace. He can give us peace in every trial that we go through. How do we find it? Through prayer, through our prayer life with Him. Amen. man, that's one of the reasons why we don't have peace, preacher. Where's our prayer life at? What kind of prayer life do we have with the Lord? Hey, and by the way, I I thank God that you bring your prayer requests and everything, but don't bring your prayer requests to the church to pray for if you're not praying for them yourself. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying, listen, we got to pray. We got to pray. We got to pray. We got to pray. Why? Hey, that's where the power is, and that's where God gives us peace in our life. Think about this, and not only can we have the peace that passeth all understanding, but he says in Psalm 119, verse 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Wow. Man, if we just love his word, we can have great peace in our life. Man, we can have the peace that passes all understanding. We can have great peace. Hey, that's not all. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse number 3, Thou wilt keep him in Perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Man, I don't know about you, but that thrills my soul. God wants me to have perfect peace. He wants me to have the peace that passes all understanding. Man, he wants me to have great peace in my life, even in the prisons that I go through. Amen. Amen. And he wants it for you too. What are you saying? These are some things we ought to take hold of when we ought to claim these promises in the word of God. What? That we can have that peace that passes all understanding. I, I, uh, I have a friend that uh, when I first went into the ministry, I, uh, some of you know my testimony. I was 38 years old when I went into ministry. Uh, I was a fireman in Ann Arbor, Michigan before that and left and went straight into the ministry, went to Mount Salem Revival Grounds and worked with Brother Randy Taylor and Dr. Joe Boyd and, and uh, served down there for a while. And the years I was there, there was a man, a young man that came and worked there at the, uh, at the camp and helped us out. He was from a church in Michigan, and uh, uh, his name was Brian. And Brian called me one day. I was scheduled to go to their church and preach a, a big day for them, a Sunday. And he said, Brother Dan, he said, uh, I wanted to know if you'd pray with me. He said, my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, has uh, promised to come for the big day, and she needs to be saved. He said, she's, she's lived a really rough life. She's got, she's got three children. She's never been married. And uh, she's just very worldly. And she just needs to be saved. I said, sure, I'll pray with you. So we prayed, man. And I uh, got there that day. I preached that Sunday. It's uh, a, a big uh, fan-shaped auditorium in the church they have there. And, and, man, I preached that Sunday morning. And a bunch of people came. A bunch of people got saved that day. But Brian came to me at lunchtime. He said, man, she was here, but she didn't, she didn't move. He said, but we went to her afterwards. And we said, will you come back tonight? And she said, I'll come back tonight. He said, we got to pray that she'll get saved tonight. I said, okay. Man, we went out in the woods, and we just got alone, and we just prayed and begged the Lord. That night, I got up and began to preach, and in the, there were four sections. And the second section over here, there was a lady about three rows back. I didn't get hardly into the message. She started crying, big tears rolling down her face. She cried the whole message. And at the end of the message, she came to the altar and got saved, and it was his sister-in-law. And uh, her name was Christine. And, man, we were excited for Christine. When she got saved, she got saved. I mean, she got in. I mean, she wanted her life turned around. She wanted to live for God. She wanted to do what was right then. She wanted to please the Lord and uh, got her kids faithful in church and everything and process of time. She met a young man named Jeremy and it uh, was coming to the church and they ended up getting married and then they had their own child together. Uh, a little, uh, little girl named Danielle and uh, man, everything was going so good for him in their life and I got a phone call from Brian and he said, Brother Dan, you're not gonna believe what's happened. I said, what's going on? He said, uh, Jeremy and Christine were down in Indiana. They were visiting family down there, having a big family reunion. And they were out on a big family farm. And they were kids were all playing together in one area, and the parents were all in another area there. And, and, uh, and the uh, oldest girl uh, came to her mom, came to Christine, and, and, and said, Mom, uh, we don't know where Danielle's at. We can't find her. They started searching to try to find her. They went in the barn checking, you know, different places. Where would she hide herself, a little girl? She was only three years old, two and a half, three years old. And where would she hide herself? And uh, trying to find her, they couldn't find her. They began to sweep the whole property looking for her. And on the backside of the farm, there was a pond. And floating in the water off the end of the dock was a precious little three-year-old girl. <laughs> I've still got a picture of her that I keep with me to remind me about what happens sometimes and how people go through things and remind me to pray for their family and boy what do you do a three-year-old girl precious little three-year-old girl and her life and you're trying to live for God you're trying to serve the Lord that's your that's your child together and uh, he said the funeral is going to be on Wednesday morning I just happened to be leaving Gaylord and heading for a revival meeting and I was going to be passing right through there. I said, I'll be there. Man, I, I showed up that day and uh, I'll never forget walking down the aisle and seeing that little white casket there. And uh, that precious little girl. And I I just shook my head. I walked back. I saw Jeremy and Christine back here and I went back and I gave them a hug and told them I loved them. And, and uh, I said, how you doing? And uh they said, we're doing great, Brother Martin. Said, doing <coughs> what? <laughs> we're doing great, Brother Martin. Man, I looked down at him, Brother Mike and I said, come on now, really. I said, How are you doing? And they had big tears welled up in their eyes and they said, Brother Dan, God's been so good to us. We're doing fine. The Lord's, the Lord's taken her home. We know we're going to be able to see her again. Sure, we're going to miss her. But we know the Lord has a purpose in it. Man, I, I went and sat down, and I sat down right where she was sitting when she got saved by the hooker. And I, I watched her and her husband get up behind that pulpit and give glory to God for his goodness and talk about her little life. Matter of fact, in their brochure, in the, in the funeral brochure, they put a little story about her and some precious things about her life and everything. And, uh, and they told the stories and all. And then they, the three little siblings got up, and they sang all the little songs that she loved to sing as a, as a little girl. And over 30 people trusted Christ that day as Savior. Let me tell you something. I watched what I'm talking about right there taking place. What do you mean? The peace of God that passeth all understanding. I mean great peace. I mean perfect peace. How, did, how could that take place? How could that happen? Hey, he's the author of it. He can give it to you no matter what you're going through. But you got to look to him. you got to pray. you got to keep the line open. Amen. It's there. It's available. We read through these passages and we don't stop to think about the depth of what he's telling us here. Amen. Hey, look at the next one real quick. It says in verse number, uh, verse number 8, finally, brethren. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. You know, Brother Hooker, I've read this so many times, and and I always read that and I always think, man, that does not seem to go in the flow of that passage of Scripture. Why in the world would God put that in there in the middle of what He was talking about, rejoicing in the Lord and prayer and all these other things? And, and then it struck me, it's like the Holy Spirit said, well, duh. If you're going to get victory in prison, you've got to understand that the battleground is the mind. And if you don't think on good thoughts and right thoughts, and true thoughts, and pure thoughts, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose the battle, because this is where it's at. Amen. Man, don't let your mind, when you're in that prison, don't let your mind start wandering. Well, Lord, why did you do this to me? Lord, why did you? Hey, do you believe it's a sin to ask why, Brother Martin? Hey, Jesus said, "My, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, there, that questioning would come, but we can't go down that pathway. Right. We got to stop and say, okay, Lord, I don't understand all this, but Lord, I want to think, right, you're, you're, you're good, God, all the time, no matter what. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Amen. You keep your mind on right things. You keep your mind on good things. You keep your mind on true things. You keep, why? Because that's part of the battle right there. You think about it, it uh, uh, tells us in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, For as he thanketh in his heart, so is he. The things you think about are what you become. Amen. Think about, think, these, these verses here, I love these verses, and uh, I, uh, I memorized them uh, uh, back, turned into 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. I want you to see these. If you don't have them underlined, you ought to underline them. You ought to memorize these. Great verses to recite to yourself when you're struggling or battling or thinking things that you shouldn't think. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There's the victory right there. I mean, hey, realizing that this is a, hey, this is a huge battle that we're, that we're going through in this life. Hey, the, the trials that come, the prisons that come, all those things that come along, man, they're going to be difficult. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing, and we've got to get victory over that. How do we do that? Hey, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Man, as we, get the, 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 we win this battle here, we win it. Paul even said that in Romans chapter 7 when he was talking about his, you know, the things I would, I, do, uh, I, I don't I do do, the things I would, I would not, those I do, and talking about the body and fighting against it and everything. So at the very end of Romans chapter 7 there, he says, uh, uh, who shall deliver me from the body that is death? But he goes on to say this, and let me just, I don't want to misquote it, in uh, Romans chapter 7, this is what he says at the end of it. And uh, in verse number 20, 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Man, the physical side will always lead you that way, but you can get victory in here. Amen. Amen. Hey, we'll look at it one more. Look, at uh, look in, in, if you would, at uh, um, uh, chapter 4 of Philippians again. And uh, verse number, let's look at verse number 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. What's Apostle Paul telling them here? Hey, even in prison you can be content. You can be content. Man, we are the most discontented people that have ever lived in the United States of America. And as Christians today, I believe with all my heart that we're the most discontented people as Christians today. And we have so much. We're so privileged today. And yet we're so discontented and we go through tru- troubles and trials and heartaches or a prison comes along in our, in our life and we're so discontent. Hey, Paul said, you know what? I've learned in whatsoever state I am there with to be content. I, I know how to be abased. I know to ab- how to abound. I, I'm not going to let one outweigh the other. I'm just going to be content and go forward for God. Amen. He said uh, in 1 Th- uh, Timothy chapter 6 and verse 8, having food and raiment, let us be there with content. And uh, Hebrews 13, verse 5, let your conversation be without covetous and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. Man, I don't want to be enough contentedness for us right there, knowing that he's going to be there for. How can Paul say this here? Because he learned it by experience. (laughs) Turn back to Acts 16. I, I, I think that we miss one of the biggest Uh, truths of this passage so many times because we read the story of the Philippian jailer and uh, we read the conversion of the Philippian jailer and we, we end it right there. Oh, but there's a powerful truth beyond that notice what it says here in verse, we read through verse 25, 26 says and suddenly there was a great earthquake so at the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loose and the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing the prisoners had been fled but Paul cried with a loud voice saying do thyself no harm for we are all here, then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said sirs what must I do do to be saved and they said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house and they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in the house and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straight way and when he had brought them into the house he set meat before them and rejoiced believing in God with all his house that's typically where we end the story and we don't think anything about what follows after that There's a powerful truth. It goes on to say in verse 35, and when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeants saying, let those men go. Now wait a minute. I thought they were already freed. I thought the angel of the Lord set them free and opened the doors of the prison and all that. Yeah, he did. But they were back at the prison. It goes on to say, the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul. The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. I love this. But Paul said unto them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privily? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. No, we're right here. What in the world? Why were they back in prison? What are they doing back in prison? I'm going to tell you what they were doing. They were content in the prison that God had placed them in. They were content being where they were and letting the Lord work through their life. God had done a miraculous thing and he had saved that Philippian jailer and his household and everything. What do you think would have happened to that Philippian jailer and his household if they would have not been in that prison? Those new converts would have been killed. They'd have, been, they'd have been dead. But they knew, you know what, there's, there's a bigger picture than us being free here. This prison's okay because it's, it's the work of God and what he's trying to do. We're going to be content here. Amen. Amen. That'd be good for all of us to get a hold of tonight. Amen. Sometimes God's got us where he's got us because he's doing the work. Don't, don't get upset with him. Hey, let him work through it. Let him accomplish what he's trying to. Uh, I, I went to the uh, Philippines uh, a, a couple times, and I went and helped a friend of mine as he was starting to work over there in, uh, in uh, Dugupan City in uh, the island of Luzon, and um, I, went, I got an opportunity to go back about five years later and the young Filipino men that we were working with uh, trying to build that ministry there, uh, uh, they had... Uh, uh, they had helped him build that, and they had started some other churches. And so uh, Brother Griffin told me, he said, uh, he said man, I'm, I'm excited about you coming back because we've got three churches going now, and all of those guys, and he named, named the guys John and, and uh, Edwin and Jovell. He said, all three of those guys are pastoring those churches now, and you're going to preach in all those churches. Man, I was excited about that. I thought this is going to be neat. And so I, I got there. I remember that first morning going. And by the way, uh, uh, Philippines, uh, we're so spoiled rotten. And I, I was, we were driving to, to Brother Griffin's house, and, uh, and I saw these workers lined up along the roadside with pickaxes. How many of you know what a pickaxe is? Yeah, not a lot, because, uh, but it's a double-bladed. It, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, two-pointed uh, pick that we use, used to use for digging trenches and digging the ground up. And I saw this line of Filipino men digging alongside the road there. And I said, Brother Griffin, what are they doing? He said, they're, they're digging trenches for this con- construction company or whatever, this electrical company that are going to put lines in. And I said, why don't they rent a trencher? He goes, they can't rent a trencher. He said, you know how much it costs to rent a trencher over here? I said, well, how much do they pay those guys? He said, if they're lucky, they may get 2 or $3 a day eight to 12 hours of hard labor. Whoa. So I go to preach at this church there in that city and I preached that morning got done preaching and the, the, the guy that had taken over as a pastor, Vell, he comes up after I'm done and, uh, and by the way, everybody says, oh, in the Philippines, they didn't speak English. Yeah, right, they just speak English. No, their native tongue is Tagalog and they, they still speak that uh, first primarily, amen. And uh, so he gets up and he starts speaking in Tagalog and I see him go get offering plates. I'm thinking, whoa, wait a minute, what are they doing? And he went and got an offering place and they bring it back up to take up a love offering. And I went back to Brother Griffin, he was sitting in the back and I said, brother, man, I don't want no love offering. I don't want, and he goes, just who do you think you are? I said, what? He said, who do you think you are? He said, they're not taking this up just because of you. They're taking this up because they've learned that this is how they show their love for God And because they want the gospel to be spread all over the world. And they're trying to help the gospel to be spread. It's nothing to do with just you. Boy, you talk about humbling. They gave me a $90 love offering that morning. He said most of those people there probably make between $60 and $90 a month. Man, I was so humbled. And then that night I was going to the real rural area. I mean really rural. And so uh, 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 we got there, and uh, the the one who was pastor in that church, his name was Brother Edwin, and man, he's just a sweet, tender brother. And uh, uh, I got there on Saturday. We went out, soul went in, and there was a ninety some year old man outside whitewashing the building, getting the building prepared for the. There was three of us that were there, these missionaries from America that were going to come and preach. Man, I got there that night and I preached. A little tiny auditorium. It was probably just as wide as this here. Just cinder block with a, a concrete floor. Went back and it had a little L shape off the back. I preached that night. And after it was over with, uh, uh, Brother Edwin come up and he put his arm around me. He said, hey, Brother Martin, we have something for you. And I'm thinking, oh, please, no, not another. And, uh, and all of a sudden somebody comes walking down the little side aisle. And they have this little basket. This little, this little area was so rural. And they, they had nothing. They, all they had was uh, rice patties. They grew rice, and uh, they had mango trees. That was it. He, and uh, so he, they, they bring this basket with cellophane wrapped up to me, and, and, I'm, and I'm thinking, what is that? And they bring it up, and it was a basket full of ripe mangoes. And I said, man, praise the Lord, man. That was, I got sick on it, Mike. i eaten too many of them. But uh, thank the Lord, man. And uh, man, that was a great love gift. Thank the Lord for that. And they said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then somebody comes and they bring this bag, a paper bag. And it was just like a sack lunch bag that we would take to school as kids. And, and uh, I opened it up and looked in it. And he says, eat one, eat one. And, you know, I reached down and there's little white things. They were about that big around and, uh, and they were about that thick. And I bit into it and it was sweet. And it, what it was is a sweet bread made out of rice. I called it manna. That's what it looked like. Amen. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so anyways, I got done, and, and uh, I thanked Brother Edwin, man. And we're walking out that night, and as we're walking out the door, uh, he, uh, he slipped something in my pocket. And I said, Brother Edwin, please don't do that. And he said, Brother Martin, please. He said, we love you. We want, we want to help. And I said, Brother, man, I just started crying. We went out the door that night, and I turned to Brother Griffin, and I said, what do those people make? He said, I doubt any of them makes $30 a month. They gave me a $50 love offering from that little tiny church. And God broke my heart. Man, I just began to weep, and I thought, how contented those people were. They don't have anything, but it doesn't matter. They're still happy in the Lord, and they're still wanting to see the Lord do things. Well, if we could get a little dose of that tonight, what want to just be content in whatever state we're in. Amen. I'll just give you the last two, and I'll close here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Let me tell you something. I believe he was trying to tell the church, you can do more than you think when Christ is your strength. You can do more than you think when Christ is your strength. Crude illustration in the military. When I was in the military, I was a boot camp in Great Lakes up in uh, 1975. And... Uh, and they took us through boot camp and uh, about the sixth, seventh a week we had to go through the firefighter training. And so we, uh, we get ready for firefighter training and, uh, and uh, go all week long. We saw this building over there and smoke pouring out of it all week long. We thought, what's that all about? Well, we found out the last day it's called the smokehouse. Oh, you've got to go through the smokehouse. They have a, uh, they have a, a, a hose uh, attached to the wall, uh, you know, about that high off the wall. And you've got to get down on your hands and knees and you've got to crawl through this smokehouse from one end to the other. It just billows with smoke, just filled with smoke without a mask or anything. They said, you put your hand on the guy ahead of you, put your other hand on the, on the, on the rope there in the wall, and don't you let go of either one, and you get all the way through to the other side. And, uh, man, you don't tell them, well, wait a minute. No, <laughs> you don't say anything. You just go. And, man, we got through there, and, man, we got out on the other side, and we're, everybody's rolling on the ground on the other side. Man, there's soot all over everywhere coming out your nose and, 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 and uh, man, gagging and coughing. And, and you say, man, that's abuse. That's what the world says today. But that's not abuse. This may be a little crude illustration, but what they were trying to teach us was that we could do more than we thought we could do. Now, if if they did that to us, how much more would our Heavenly Father help us to be able to do more than what we think we can do if we'll keep our eyes on Him? Amen. Hey, the very next week, we had to go through chemical warfare training. (laughs) And they had a gas house and they taught us how to use the mask and everything, and they took us up in the last day. They took us up in the building. They let us put our masks on. We got up the second floor of the building, and he talks to us for a while through the mask, you know, and then he says, okay, everybody remove your mask. I mean, we're thinking, you got to be kidding, man. This is is, uh, a tear gas. This room's filled with tear gas, and we hesitated, and that was all we did. Hey, I said, get your mask off, man. We, we were at the mask off. It wasn't five seconds, man. There was burning going on down through our, into our lungs. And I mean, there, there's mucus coming out of every orifice it could come out of, you know. And we're gagging and coughing, and, and uh, they wait about a minute. And finally, they said, uh, okay, they opened the doors, and they sent us outside. We got out on the tarmac, run around the tarmac, and cleared it out and everything. You say, man, that's abuse. No, again. They're just trying to teach us when the battle gets going, you can go a little bit more than what you think you can. And our Heavenly Father, the way He loves us, He can take us through a whole lot more than what we think we can go through if we just keep our eyes on Him. I could tell you so many stories, but the last thing was verse 19. My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Our God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything it's all his. Paul's trying to tell the church here, you know what? my God will supply every one of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm sure the church thought he was nuts. I mean you're in prison Paul you're in prison and you're telling us that God's going to take care of us God hey. But he'd already told them, hey, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Hey, I've learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith be content. Hey, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. What was he saying? Hey, everything is okay in my Father's house. Everything's okay in the prison that I'm going through because my eyes are focused where they ought to be focused. That's our biggest problem tonight. Where is our focus tonight? What are we looking at? I think that Paul, in this very short little passage of Scripture here, gives us some pretty powerful little truths there. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. That you know what? Even when we're bound by circumstances, bound by affliction, everything will be all right. if we just keep our eyes on Him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I'll have a word of prayer with you and turn the service over to the preacher. Father, thank you for the privilege to be able